Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Snake Oil Radio here on Blog Talk Radio. This is your host, Jim Ventura. Welcome to the show. Uh, if it's your first time tuning in, a little bit about me, a little bit about the show, and then we'll kind of dive right in. Uh, I am, uh, again, my name is Jim Ventura, and I am a, a professional oracle reader. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about more about what that actually means. And uh, I do private navigational consultations for people with uh, numerology and tarot and astrology and rune stones and animal cards and quite a few other things. I do these uh, here in my home office in Phoenix, as well as by phone uh, across all over the country and, and some parts of Canada at this point. Uh, anyway, I'm also an author, and I write a monthly column called Snake Oil. In fact, the uh, first Snake Oil book will be uh, published within uh, the next two to three months, probably by the end of this year, early January at the absolute latest, but I think we'll have it out by December, and it is a collection of my uh, first uh, four or five years of columns. Uh, if you're not already receiving the monthly column, feel free to email me at VenturaSag at Yahoo.com or at VenturaWords at Mac.com. I'll add you to the free uh, newsletter mailing list so you can get the monthly column. Uh, I do the show uh, pretty much almost every Thursday, and usually our first show we will do a, uh, a read of the monthly column and then talk a bit about the subject in a little bit more depth, and then uh, usually later on I'll take some phone calls. Uh, also, uh, you know, we, we do different themes in each different show, and today's show actually is kind of a little bit more of a show where we're going to teach a bit about understanding how to work with and use the Viking rune stones. So if you're not uh, familiar with them, I'll give you a little bit more info on all of those things uh, about the runes and, and some suggestions on where to pick them up and how to begin to work with them. Uh, because anybody can learn how to read um, oracles if they really choose to set their mind to it. And uh, the runes are, are actually one of the easier uh, type of oracles to work with, so I highly, highly recommend them. So that's going to be the primary focus of today's show. Uh, if you do have questions or comments, uh, you can certainly uh, ask any questions about the subject in our chat room if you're in there. If you're listening live, uh, you may call in a little bit. I'll put the call and phone number up in about 20 minutes, 25 minutes or so. I want to take the brunt of the show toward working and, and with everybody and talking a bit about how to use the rune stones themselves. And then, uh, like the last probably 15 minutes of the show, I'll open the phone lines up uh, and uh, take some calls. Uh, you know, we, we have separate shows that I do uh, each month that are geared toward uh, allowing people to kind of call in and ask personal questions. Uh, so I, I kind of want to steer a bit away from that uh, during this show unless it relates to the subject that we're talking about today. Because a lot of people listen in on the uh, archives as well, too, and they're, they're kind of listening in to learn about this particular um, theme. So, But I will, like I said, last 10 or 15 minutes of the show, we'll, we'll put up the phone uh, number and uh, allow anyone to ask any uh, quick personal questions if they'd like to do so. But we're going to devote most of the show toward uh, working with runes today. So uh, anyway, unless you're, you're calling in early on about a question about the runes or working with them, uh, we'll take those. Otherwise, I'm going to wait, like I said, a little bit. Okay, all that said, um, let's talk a little bit about oracles. You know, last month 
on air, uh, I devoted two shows to talking about the major arcana cards in the tarot, which is another great example of an oracle, um, probably one of the most popular of oracles. And we talked a bit about the uh, 22 major arcana cards uh, in the tarot, which is certainly a good place to start if you're wanting to learn how to read tarot and understand tarot. Uh, you know, if you can always go back again, all the shows are archived, so if you didn't really catch a show, you're absolutely welcome to go back in and catch any of the uh, archive show. They're all, they're all here, uh, here at Blog Talk Radio. In fact, they also go to podcasts over at iTunes, I believe, so you can catch them through either channel. Uh, but, you know, the Tarot, uh, we didn't go into every card in, in the Tarot. We went with the major arcana cards, the major archetypal symbols within the um, Tarot, and... Um, you know, there are definitely some correlations and similarities between those as well as the runestones. You know, let me talk a little bit about what the runestones are and also, you know, how to get them and, and how to work with them so you, you guys got a little bit of an understanding of um, of what they are. Because, again, sometimes people really haven't even heard of them or are not really sure of what they are in that sense. So, you know, the first thing I'll mention is understanding what an oracle means is something that's kind of important. You know, almost every culture has different forms of of oracle devices. In in certain parts of Africa, they used bones um, for oracle reading. Um, uh, different areas, things like dice and cards and stones and 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 uh, you know, almost an, almost every culture had some form of uh, oracular device. Or thing that they had come up with, you know, people. Some people are familiar with, familiar with the I Ching in the Asian cultures, and uh, probably again the Tarot is probably one of the more famous of uh, oracle devices. You know, even to some extent, uh, astrology can be read that way as well, because when you learn astrology, it can also be used as a, a predictive device if you look at astrological transits. Now, uh, the runestones originated in, uh, from the Viking tradition um, in areas like Denmark, and uh, they have been around for, for uh, at least a thousand or so years. Uh, I think, in fact, some of the historians even date it to, to uh, B.C. times in that sense. But um, the story is that Odin uh, hang, hung from a tree uh, and I'm not sure what the reason was behind that in that sense. And he looked at at, uh, at, at symbols and things in the ground and uh, came up with the idea of the runes, um, you know, kind of in a in an element of enlightenment in that sense, where he began to understand those symbols and what they represented. Uh, I guess if you're you're hanging from a tree for a long period of time, there's something you've got to do something. <laughs> so. Uh, this is apparently what went down, and I'm sure I'm paraphrasing this in a way that, that is really distorting some of the the uh, primary influence from where this comes from. But, you know, I, I personally, being a, a actually fairly practical person, uh, being Taurus Rising as my ascendant, you know, I always want to kind of convert uh, philosophical tools and things into practical, practical formulas for people. I think that, you know, when we get too caught up in esoteric, we can lose something that way as well. So that really is my primary focus. So uh, the runestones are, you know, actually it's an oracle that I started studying back when I was probably about 20. So I have worked with them for a lot of years because I'm in my mid-40s now. And um, I have found that having worked with them for a long time uh, has been extremely beneficial. In fact, I, I, I often 
you know, I, I, when I work with clients and I use runes or I attempt to explain to people the value of runes, I especially like to call them an element of what we call navigational consultation. Um, they're not really as much about predicting the future, although in some cases they very well may. Um, often, um, you know, when, when you lay out different spreads with runes, you can lay out a, a rune for the present, you can lay out a rune for the near future, and often get a good insight or indication of where things may be heading. But I think that they really are more of an internal device in really tapping into your subconscious, the unconscious, to messages from your higher self. Uh, you know the uh, what the uh, Ralph Blum, who did the the modern runic interpretation book, calls uh, the vehicle of the path of the spiritual warrior. So, uh, in fact, the runes again have been around for a long time and been used in, in many many different ways through different cultures, but um, they were rewritten or re-explored. Uh, uh, with a very famous author, Ralph Blum. If you go to a bookstore like Borders or you order online on Amazon, you'll often find that if you order a set of runes, um, and runes, by the way, are spelled R-U-N-E-S, not like runes, like of, of collapse. They're, they're spelled a little differently. And if you go you go look uh, to buy runes, often you'll find the um, interpretation book by Bl uh, Ralph Blum, spelled B-L-U-M, in the uh, in most of the modern sets, um, I highly recommend that you get the book. By the way, because I've actually looked at a lot of different runic interpretation books, and I've found some decent ones, a couple of fairly good ones, a lot of kind of crappy ones, and um, the best I've found for understanding and interpreting runes really has been. Um, the in interpretations used by Ralph Blum, they really are brilliant. And they are, uh, you know, the type of thing that you will go back over year, years, I mean, for years, and still get more insight from. I think it was really um, quite the channeled interpretations and, and really, really brilliant. So, again, highly recommend getting that book and, and making a point if you're going to buy a set of runes to uh, pick up the book uh, and make sure it's included in it and, and look for that. If you uh, decide to make your own runes or um, get them in another way, you still would probably want to seek this book out um, if at all possible. And then certainly, you know, you may open yourself up to looking at other authors and other people out there who have done runic interpretations uh, for further insight. So, uh, but yes, you can actually make your own set of runes. I actually did that probably about 10 years ago, um, I made them with clay. Um, I have my original set that I bought, but I also um, made my own runes, which I've actually used for about 10 years. I love the runes that I made. Um, I made them with a product called Sculpey, um, which you can buy in Michael's and most craft stores. And um, it, it, Sculpey is very cool to work with, because even if you're not extremely artistic, you could still kind of pull this off. Um, you basically... You know, you take the clay, you lay them out into small balls, you flatten them, and, and you can even cut them to size uh, so that they're all relatively even. And then um, you you bake them, which really is about a 15-minute bake, 20-minute bake. It isn't even long. I mean, like a regular oven. You don't need a kiln or anything like that to do this. And then you can sand them down and smooth them out and actually paint the symbols on the runes yourself with any type of paint, acrylic paint or, you know, any type of um, 
of uh, solid of tempera paint or acrylic paint or acrylic is probably the best. Uh, it'll tend to take uh, more easily. Um, so yeah, I was an artist in college. Probably a little easier for me, but again, I, I could tell you even when I when I teach local room classes here in Phoenix and some of the bookstores are here in my in my home office, which I'll sometimes do. I always teach how to make these runes. Uh, in fact, I will actually be teaching a rune class at a bookstore called Wellspring Books in November of um, this month, uh, and it's in uh, Gilbert, Arizona. So uh, if you're if you're interested in your local, you can you can come in and check it out that way. So, yeah, you can make your own runes. But, again, you don't have to. You can buy them. Um, I know people who have collected stones and painted on the stones. There's a lot of different ways that you could do this. But certainly when you make your own runes, they become really, really personal to you. But, again, I had used a, you know, a store set of runes for a good 10 years, and they worked just as effectively. So, again, this is really up to you know us as individuals. So... The um, what you'll find when you when you buy the set of runes in the stores, they'll often come in like a little bag, and you'll put them in the bag and mix them up and put them in the bag. Um, if you make your own set of runes, um, you could find little cloth bags. You can either make one yourself. Um, you know, most fabric stores will give you the fabric where you can make one fairly easily, or you can find them. Another great little device to work with is things like Crown Royal and Bacardi. Um, a lot of the um, really uh, a lot of bottles of alcohol, if you look in stores and gift sets, will come in kind of like a cool bag. Um, even if you're not a big drinker and you want to give it off as a gift and keep the bag, or you know, if you're if you're like me, I've got the same like three bottles, four bottles of alcohol for probably the last seven years in my house. I, I drink so <laughs> I drink so little that. Uh, I certainly have quite a bit of it. So those are great, by the way. Um, those things, especially like the crown bags and the Bacardi ones, are really awesome for storing any type of oracle, tarot, runes, things of that nature. Okay, so that, we talked a little bit about getting started, getting your own set of runes. Um, then you kind of want to begin to, um, you know, get the hang of, of working with them. You know, the runes, there actually are only 25 runes in the modern rune set, you know, in other books you'll find um, some other runic symbols, but um, they really were condensed down to 25 symbols, uh, one of them being a blank rune, by the way, which was originally like a spare rune in case a rune was lost to replace one, but eventually became a rune in its own right, and, and very appropriately so, by the way, I might add. Uh, it's a great, uh, it's a great uh, uh, rune in, in its own right. So then some of the runes have reverse symbols, some of them don't. And that's simply because, like, you know, one rune, for instance, is called Hagalez, and it kind of looks like a big H. If you turn an H upside down, it's still an H. In other words, you really don't change its structure. And you'll find that um, I think probably a good third of the runes have no reversed uh, positions in them, whereas maybe two-thirds do have reverses approximately. Uh, so, and the other thing is, you you want to use those reverses in your in your interpretations, in your understanding, in your meanings, and, and really, really keeping in mind that a reversed rune doesn't necessarily mean that it's bad. Typically, uh, what I would suggest for people with understanding a reversed rune is it's often suggesting that we need to proceed with more caution or more awareness as we maneuver through whatever the uh, the area of life the rune is suggesting. Um, we have the potential maybe to look at it more from a negative perspective 
and also that reminder that the sometimes the negative can be useful. Uh, you know, the expression, consider the uses of adversity. Sometimes it's a value to look at where there might be something dark or repressed or where we may have, may we have misappropriately uh, reading something or doing something in that sense. Uh, I know last night uh, I was a bit frustrated by a few different things, and I had pulled a rune on, you know, where to place my energy, and it had come up the rune uh, signals reversed. And it was very, very fitting because it had talked about that I was kind of getting mixed signal, missed signals. I was feeling a sense of futility or wasted motion about some old things I was contemplating doing again, things that I haven't really wasted my energy on in a, in a few years. And uh, I, it felt clogged in that sense. And the um, the message in it, of course, was to, uh, you know, when the well is clogged, uh, you know, this is the moment for cleaning out the, the well or cleaning out the old to look at you know, what you're doing, and it, it really, really was a very helpful suggestion. And I bring that up because, you know, that's one of the things that I really like to, you know, remind my listeners uh, about is that, you know, when you when you work with the runes, again, they are a navigational consultation. So they're meant to kind of help guide you and, and really help you with taking right action. You know, ultimately, no matter what a rune says, a tarot card says, anything else for that matter tells you, you know, ultimately, we make decisions and we make choices. But what a, a rune will be able to do for you in that sense is often help you to maneuver, you know, a bit more effectively um, or to understand your own motivations or where there might be something that's blocked up. Um, you know, and by the same token, there are some extremely positive runes uh, that are uh, really helpful in understanding. There are times when we have breakthroughs. Um, there are times when we're kind of striving for wholeness. There are times when we're um, when we we get that click, that mental uh, awareness of of understanding. There's a rune of joy. So there's some very very positive runes as well too. And we're going to talk a bit about these different runes today, um, as many as we can get to in um, in this particular show. And then I'll continue on with uh you know the rest of them in in the following show uh that we'll do next week which will then also have a little bit more time to cover any uh personal questions or things that come from any of the listeners uh that they want to ask about or certainly uh again um for for questions about the runes themselves so Okay, before we get into talking about the basic runes, because I want to go through them uh, individually, because, again, I know a lot of people, either you're listening live or you're catching it in the archive, uh, you know, this is kind of one of my ways of of giving uh, some, some free classes here. Um, you know, if you're not here in Phoenix, um, obviously it, it, it would certainly be difficult in all probability to get to one of my classes. But um, on a positive side, uh, I am uh, getting hooked into webcam, and I will be um, be able to do uh, web seminars and web classes um, in 2012 and early 2012. So if you're getting my uh, monthly newsletter, you'll get information about that, my snake oil column, and you'll get some information about when I'm going to be do, the, do those and be able to sign on for those uh, as well. Um, and then you'll be able to do it through through Skype, and I'll probably do four or five, maybe six students in each class. I typically keep them relatively small 
but we have that little doorway opening up in the next few months as well too. So that's kind of the cool uh, boost of modern technology. And if you are local, again, of course, like I said, sign up, get info, and you can begin to look at when you can take classes. You know, one of the benefits of classes is um, they're very inexpensive. I make my classes purposely inexpensive for people. Um, the sessions are a little bit more costly because they take a lot more out of me. And uh, but uh, you know, you don't have to learn this stuff either. If you want to get insight, that's kind of what I'm here for. You can hire me <laughs> in that sense and, and contact me and, and set up an appointment. But you know, if you do contact me by email or by phone, uh, please understand that in most cases, I usually can't get a book session in uh, for at least three or four days. Sometimes sooner, sometimes a little later, depending on how busy I am. Uh, so I just like to remind my, my my listeners that for personal sessions. I'm not a psychic hotline. Um, it kind of doesn't work that way. Um, anyway, okay, so back to the runes here. Uh, so, uh, you know, th- there's different types of spreads that you can do with runes. I actually suggest when you begin to first work with runes, you know, really work with one at a time. I mean, you could do a daily meditation and pull a rune. Um, you can do a weekly question and pull a rune. Um you know, one of the things about doing it relatively frequently is, again, it'll have you reading the interpretations and then um, studying them, looking out into your life, seeing what fits, what matches. You may even, you know, branch out after a little while and pull a let, you know, a friend pull a rune if they have a question. But, you know, to be really explicit about this in the most easiest sense of detail, you know, you want to mix the runes up in the bag, you want to put your hand in, and you want to ask your question and then pull a rune out and then put it down in front of you. Now, one of the things that you want to do when you do this is sometimes a rune will come up reversed. You might have have it face down. If you have it face down, then simply turn it from, you know, sideways up again as opposed to flipping it around. You know, because I've seen people do this sometimes when they purposely try to not get a reversed rune. Uh you know, don't do that. You're really taking something away from from insight when you're attempting to avoid, you know, getting reverses. The reverses are tremendously useful in that sense. And, you know, you'll reach a point you know, over years of using and working with these that you begin to understand that the difficult runes or the difficult things that we go through in life are really largely subjective, because in truth, often some element of adversity or difficulty is what helps us to grow, to become more aware, and to you know spiritually, emotionally evolve. So it, um, I always remind people that the purpose of suffering is to teach you not to suffer. <laughs> you know, it is, it, that you always have that sort of expression that suffering is good for the soul. I don't agree with that. Um, you know, uh, it's more that suffering is valuable in helping us grow and evolve and how to learn how not to suffer so much anymore. And really, in essence, that's what the runes will really, really do, even in the negative sense, is they'll cast a positive light upon the point of view if you're going through a certain level of difficulty at this point and help shift your thinking and then, again, also help guide you. So um, I think that that in and of itself is, is very significant. So I'm gonna, what I want to do first is now I want to – so, again, I, I do suggest – the idea of the the single rune for a little while as a meditation or a study. Again, you know, weekly or every day for a little bit. Then you can begin to expand to do three rune spreads. Um, one of the more popular rune spreads that I've worked with for years is, and uh, the runes are always read from right to left, by the way. 
um, is a three-room spread where the first room represents more or less what you've been going through, um, the uh, you know the basic energy behind it, uh, and the question. The second room represents the challenge, what's coming up next, where you need to place your energy, um, and then the third room represents the outcome, where things are heading within whatever time span you've set. If you you know if you're doing a three-room spread. You want to at least do it for a couple of weeks, maybe, or a month, or a few months in that sense, so that you could study these multiple runic symbols. So what I thought I would do is I'm going to pull a rune for everybody listening. So um, this is kind of one of these fun things where we're tapping into the universal uh, bank here in that sense. And if you're listening to the show, whether live or uh, on the archive, I want you to think about um, a question that you may have at this point in your own life, and I'm going to be quiet for a minute or two to let you do this, and ask for some insight on how to proceed around that particular area of your life. And I'm going to read that rune, uh, a quote from the Ralph Blum book. Um, so this is kind of a kind of a little fun answer, I guess, for everybody in that sense, whenever you're getting this. And uh, I guarantee it's going to fit, or there's going to be some element of this that will absolutely um, make sense to you. At some level. So, okay, ask your question. Again, it could be just about anything. You know, you could say, how do I proceed in the next week? You could say, you know, I have an issue about my relationship, my work, you know, uh, and I want to understand what the energy is behind it and what my action is now. Okay. Take a minute. And while you think about your question, I'm going to pull the rune in the meantime. long on that um, alright so here is uh, what I came up with I pulled the rune I asked my own question I asked a question for all my listeners and we'll, I think we'll start with this I pulled the rune um, and, and what I had asked for myself is I said you know wh- wh- what's happening now in my life what what am I um, experiencing and what kind of where should my energy be replaced repl- now and what kind of process am I going through for the next few weeks and uh, this is what I pulled. So, um, you know, keep it, keep your question in mind. And let me read to you um, Ralph Blum's, Blum's interpretation, and we'll use this as kind of a good starting point in understanding and working with the runes. So the rune that I pulled is called Perth, P-E-R-T-H. And it is the sixth rune in the, his counting order, and it came up upright in this case. Uh, it did not come up reversed. So Perth is um, means an initiation, something hidden, and a secret matter. So here's a direct quote from Ralph Blum's uh, runic book. He says, a hieratic or mystery rune pointing to that which is beyond our frail manipulative powers. Perth is on the side of heaven, the unknowable, and has associations with the phoenix, that mystical bird which consumes itself in the fire and then rises from its own ashes. Its ways are secret and hidden. Powerful forces of change are at work here, yet what is achieved is not easily or readily shared. After all, becoming whole, the means of it, is a profound secret. On the side of the earthly, 
or mundane. There may well be surprises, gains or rewards that you do not anticipate. On the side of human nature, this rune is symbolized by the flight of the eagle. Soaring flight, free from entanglements, lifting yourself above the endless ebb and flow of ordinary life to acquire broader vision. All this is indicated here. Another of the cycle runes. Perth stands at the heart of initiation. Nothing external matters here, except as it shows you its inner reflection. This rune is concerned with the deepest stratum of our being, the bedrock on which our destiny is founded. For some, Perth means experiencing a death, if need be, let go of everything. No exceptions, no exceptions, no exclusions. Nothing less than renewal of your spirit is at stake. Okay, so that's the passage. Pretty intense, um, but obviously pretty awesome in some respects as well. Let me talk a little bit about this. You know, an interesting point here is, you know, every uh, couple of months I, I do uh, druid animal cards for myself to see what kind of power animals I'm currently working with. And uh, the um, animal that came up recently in my spread for September is the eagle. So here's another reference from me about eagle and what that represents. Um, what Perth, in essence, talks about is a couple different things here. You know, the, the element of being initiated is very, very key. If anyone understands the roots of shamanism, you'll often know that sometimes initiations can be difficult passages that we go through. Uh, anyone who understands shamanism and the elements within it, knows that, you know, there are tests that shamans will go through uh, to see whether they have the fortitude and the strength and the ability to, to become a shaman uh, in some respects. Often those tests are not easy. So, um, but, you know, an initiation, you know, anyone, you know, at a most core level, anyone joining a fraternity or um, even a new job, often you're kind of initiated in that sense. So there's an element of that that is part of this rune. Um, the other element that he talks about is something hidden, meaning, you know, there are deeper forces at work. Sometimes things are happening that we're not clear as to why they're happening or how they're actually operating or working in that sense, but know that there are sometimes angelic forces or other forces that are maneuvering, um, mostly, again, in a connection to our higher self that are often for our own good, even though we may not be able to see exactly what those forces are or where this is all necessarily heading. And that's what he's talking about, about a secret matter. You know, everybody goes through their own initiations and processes that are completely unique. Um, sometimes they're karmic. You know, there's always an element of these things, I think, that are, uh, you know, very, very personal, our own processes that we go through. On a very positive side, he talks about, you know, earthly gains, sometimes rewards, locking out, benefits that can come into play uh, that are, are, are very positive in that respect. Um, and, and the whole idea that he mentions about, you know, lifting yourself above the endless ebb and flow of ordinary life. In other words, to see things from a different perspective, to, you know, to, to acquire a broader vision. You know, one of the things I've recommended for a lot of people now, because, you know, a lot, a lot of people are having difficulty with uh, some financial stuff and economic conditions and finding work, and I always tell people, you know, you you want to separate yourself from the collective pool. It doesn't matter what's going on around you. Um, there, there can be tremendous benefit in breaking away 
and being optimistic and being positive and finding a way to be successful even in difficult times. And to me, again, that's something that is often a connective with this particular rune. Um, and the other thing he points out, you know, he even italicizes, he says, nothing external matters here except as it shows you it's inner reflection. Meaning that look at the things that happen to you as reflecting something back to you about yourself and about your own process. Because if you're able to do that, you absolutely can benefit. Because even a difficult thing is a, uh, uh, a beneficial thing in that sense. Difficult people can be teachers, guides, and allies. Circumstances can be, even if it's all that they do is teach us how to avoid that type of thing in the future, or how to not to become it. So there, there is wisdom in, in that context as well, too. Um, so let's see what else we had here to, to mention with, with Perth. And then he talks about the idea of death. And even um, in the Tarot, there's the imagery of death in the Tarot cards, which, of course, represents um, a transformation. It's not actually a negative card in the Tarot either. It represents the ending of one cycle and the beginning of another, that every uh, uh, every beginning comes from some other end, which, by the way, is a song. I could break into song here, I guess, but I, I won't. I think it's a song from the late 90s called Closing Time that they use that line as well, too. Uh, but, yeah, again, death is a subjective issue because, uh, you know, I, I know certainly even from a physical angle, and this is probably not what this is, is referring to for most of us, you know, people who pass and die and pass into spirit are not suffering. You know, it's the ones left behind who suffer. Um, you know, that process in and of itself can actually be quite natural and easy. So that's our rune, guys. That's uh, that's your focus. And so if you had a question and you weren't able to ask it today, that in essence is your answer. So so meditate and ponder on that. And uh, I'm going to open up the phone lines. We've only got about ten more minutes here, but in case anyone wants to call in and has any questions about the runes, um, we can go from there. The, the call-in number is one six four six. 203966 again that's 1646 203966 um looks like I don't have some some shows I got a active uh very active uh, uh chat room and and phone lines so the shows <laughs> everyone seems to be uh missing it for the day so this is a quieter day so I'm thinking a lot of people are going to catch us in archives so I'm not expecting any phone calls so I want to throw it out there uh sometimes people don't get in the chat rooms they kind of listen quietly and that's okay too um Anyway, so uh, that was one of the rooms I want to talk about. Let's, you know, let's begin to kind of go through them uh, real quick, and then I'll, you know, I'll cover a couple of them today, and then we'll, we'll cover a few more in the next show uh, that you can follow up with. So the first rune in in the in the book that you'll follow is called Manaz, and I may actually kind of mess up some of these titles here. In that sense, I'm usually pretty good about pronunciation, but I cannot definitely. Uh, classify myself as an expert uh, with with these or anything else for that matter in terms of pronunciation, and mostly because I don't really give a crap. You know, I mean, I think it's the least of our concerns. So Manaz is the first rune, and it, of course, it represents the rune of the self. Um, upright, it, it, it has to do with the idea of new, of new beginnings, um, the willingness to change, um, understanding how to be in this world but not of it, um, and looking at what's coming to be and focusing on uh, that which abides and not getting caught up in yesterday. You know, he refers to the idea of that, you know, often um, uh, before growth and rectification comes, uh, the field needs to be tilled, the seed is planted. In other words, 
you know, there's a wisdom in understanding that you may have to do work to achieve a goal and to enjoy that work, to be present in it in that sense. Um, and that, that you know, we, the, the imagery of Banaz is the rune of joy face-to-face with itself. Uh, and uh, he, I love that he uses this uh, idea that there were two councils over the gateway of the temple at Delphi. The first one was to know thyself, and the second was that uh, the second one was nothing in excess. Uh, simple things, but really, really smart kind of elements of wisdom. You know, if the Manaz, the first rune, comes up reverse, it's often suggesting that, you know, we may be getting stuck with getting caught up and getting irritated with things outside of ourselves, being irritated with people, with circumstances, with timing. And what Manaz reverse will remind us is, you know, it's often healthier to go within and look at where the block is coming from. It may be a belief that we have. It may be a fear. It may be an anger um, that there's some reflection there. And then the reminder is actually pretty positive. You know, be like the, uh, you know, don't give yourself airs. Um, the challenge is just to break the momentum of past habits, to change gears, to take a lighter approach. So that's the first rune. Uh, second rune is called Gebo. It looks like an X and is a rune of partnership. It has no reverse position. So, uh, you know, we're given relationships. We're given partnerships with others at different points in our lives, whether they be working relationships or friendships or um, intimate partnerships or marriages, um, all relationships that, like he points out here, can be seen as gifts. And he always points out the idea that God always enters into equal partnerships. In other words, that there's a dance that's going on whenever you're with someone. You know, the thing about relationships that I always have to remind people of is we, you know, we, we look for the qualities within others that we believe we don't have, but really, in essence, are parts of us in that respect, and vice versa. So that's where the draw comes from. Um, you know, if you, if, you, if you long for a partnership or relationship with someone that's beautiful, you're looking to fall in love with beauty so that you can bring out your own beauty through them in that sense. If you're, if you're attracted to someone that's very intelligent or very smart, it's because that quality is in you, and you just find someone who may magnify that at some level for you. Um, if you're looking for someone to be kind and giving and loving to you, um, it's because you or need to learn how to be kind and, and giving and loving for yourself. You know, and this brings up a deeper issue here. You know, not all relationships and partnerships are meant to be for life. You know, sometimes some la- some last many many decades, some only last um, you know a few years or a few months or a few hours, even a few minutes. Um, when we get what we need out of it, in that sense, we may find that it no longer fits or works for us or that we're on a different road. But Gebo brings up the idea that um, the rune of partnership is a blessing. It's a gift at some level, a reflection of ourself, um, and it has no reverse position in that sense uh, because, again, it brings us to an awareness. There's a beautiful quote in this rune that I've actually used at, at wedding ceremonies. I uh, I've married uh, a few people uh, in my in my time. I am an ordained minister, even though that's not a big sale point that I use, but I am able to do it. And uh, I use the line from this rune about, remember to let the winds of heaven dance between you. One I strongly or stand behind, I think, in relationships. So, uh, again, Gebo means as a partnership, a relationship theme, or an issue that's coming into play, whether present or in the future, if you pull the rune. The third rune is called um, Anus, and it is a signals rune, the messenger rune, so say with the god Loki. You know, in its upright position, the messenger rune means, 
you know, messages, signals are coming your way um, that you need to pay attention. You're going to get, you may be meeting new people. You may be getting to take new roads. You may be um, on, on new paths in that sense, and there's an, a need to kind of pay attention. Um, he mentions in the rune that even arch thieves and criminals can be bearers of wisdom. You know, sometimes, you know, pain in the asses can be teachers uh, in some respects, surprisingly, uh, if we look at it from that at that level. But there's an association with Loki, the ancient trickster, meaning that, um, you know, sometimes uh, we may see something that is illusion at some level or that we're, we're, we're tricked in a sense, in a playful kind of a way, um, along the way in our path. So this is about messages, signals, gifts. Um, he kind of brings up the idea of um, integrating unconscious motive with conscious intent. Very important because often what we want consciously is something we don't want unconsciously or we're sending out a different signal. You know, if you're if you're wanting to become really wealthy and and successful but you're afraid of money, you think it's evil or you think it's bad, that's an unconscious motive. You may actually not manifest money because you may be focusing on that element. You know, a lot of people are desperately looking for a relationship and a mate, but deep inside are afraid of getting hurt or afraid of intimacy or opening themselves up or have past phobic experiences or um, actually enjoy being single. And they don't want to give that up at some level. So the idea with the signals rune is that things that we look out around outside of us can actually be sig signals to open us up to find out what's really going on inside of us. Um, so, you know, he, he brings up the idea that it's a connection with the divine in that sense, that there's, your own higher self is speaking to you through messages and signals around you. Reversed, um, he talks about, you know, sometimes we have situations with failed communications where we're unclear about what someone is saying to us or someone's not communicating to us. Um, we may have an issue in uh, a present or a past situation where we feel a sense of futility, of wasted motion, like why bother, why should I even try at this point in the game? You know, whatever I'm, I say is misread or, you know, or no one's hearing me correctly in that sense. And this is where he brings up the idea that if the well is clogged, this is a moment for cleaning out the old. And also that reminder that, you know, you can, you know, consider the uses of adversity. You know, difficulty can be beneficial. I mean, I know it sounds kind of odd in that sense, but I know that, you know, there are times when I, you know, when I, maybe money's been tight or, or something like that, and it, it's been able, it, I used it to get out of doing something I didn't want to do. You know, which I've learned as I've gotten older that, you know, it's more, it, when you become a little wiser, you just simply say no, you don't do things you don't want to do. Uh, but that can be difficult in, in some circumstances and situations. And uh, so, you know, I, you know, I have found that, you know, you could have a, a rainy, miserable day or really, really bad weather, and you had planned on going somewhere, and then maybe you stayed home and you hung out with your family and you played games or you really had a, very intimate time with someone that you hadn't expected, um, and that turns out beneficial. So, you know, it's something to remember that, you know, not all adversity is necessarily bad. It can be valuable to us. And that's what Anne says is bringing up reverse. It means we're getting mixed signals, we're getting confusion, and we need to get more clear about the information insight that's coming in. Okay, looks like we're down to about a minute and a half, so we're at the end of our show already. So I'll continue on with these uh, descriptions of these runes uh, for all my listeners so you can uh, kind of log and take some, some notes and insight on this for your own rune casting. 
uh, and uh, in, in our next show. And also, we'll follow up the phone lines up um, in the next show for for some some questions and things as well. I'm also going to be bringing back my interview feature, which I've dropped in the last couple of months, and I'm looking forward to doing that. Probably at the end of December, early January, I'll I'll be carving out a show to do an interview. Um, with uh, with someone, and, and I think those are always fun and, and really cool shows to do, so we're going to be bringing that up. Okay, so again, let's move down to our last minute here. So uh, this is Jim Ventura thanking you for tuning in, whether you talk live or you catch me on the archive. I always appreciate uh, checking into the show. If you're not getting my newsletter already, email me, VenturaSag at Yahoo.com, VenturaWords at Mac.com. Get on the mailing list. Um, you know, uh, great column. Um, you get to read my books before they're in print, and I run specials on classes and personal sessions and things. And you know, all the newsletters are full with all kinds of cool info. Um, I get a lot of compliments on it. We've got, got quite the mailing list right now. So uh, get on that. I'll give you guys some more information about when my next book is going to be published. Uh, if you want to get a copy of my first book, Dirty Little Secrets, um, that's available through the website or at Amazon.com. Dirty Little Secrets by Jim Ventura. Awesome book, very fun, a little bit more of a playful book, uh, but certainly something that will, will, will entertain and enlighten. Anyway, again, this is Jim Ventura thanking you for tuning in to Snake All Radio here on Blog Talk Radio. I'll be back here again next Thursday, and everybody have a wonderful, wonderful evening or day, depending on when you're getting this uh, info. Cheers. <laughs>